You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Graceland After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Graceland After Show. Uh, it looks like we're going to get a different spy cop intro every time, which I'm fine with because I, I'm not a big fan of the EDM one. Welcome to Graceland After Show, Episode 4, Pizza Box. I'm Julie Parton. And I'm Stephen Lemieux, and we are going to be hosting this Sijo. Yeah, Sijo, you know, going with the going with the EDM intro theme. Right. No, um, unfortunately, last week we did tell you that Manny would be joining us tonight, but due to some scheduling issues, we couldn't have him in, but we're going to work to get him in here again. We do have a few other people lined up for this coming month, yes. though, so be very tuned and be wary, because this show has a few twists they're throwing at us. Much love, much love. Sometimes in L.A. with growing pains of networks, this stuff happens. It But does. we will move on, and his character blew us away, as did this fourth episode. I would, I would say, four episodes in, all legit, they've proven themselves. Yeah, this episode, I liked last episode more than this one, but this one's, like, up there. It's, it's good. I may like this one more. I, I, I liked half of the plot line. I disliked half the plot line. Which did you not like? Well, I mean, let's just, let's just go into it. I mean, first of all, Paige, the character that I liked least of all, really showed that she is a true spy DA agent this one. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm saying, like, I, I didn't like Paige before, and that whole operation involving all three of them, who are usually very minor characters, was really fun to me. Well, like, Paige kind of... she. It's funny, because you say that, but then she's the one who's, like, trying to get this deal, and then pawns it off on Jake's and Johnny. She had a pawn it off. She wasn't Mexican. It didn't go with the undercover. I know, but it's still kind of funny. It's like, oh, she really proved herself... But she did kind of pawn it off on Jake's and... Uh, I think if she had her way, it wouldn't have been pawned off. Oh, no, she wouldn't She'd have. have been, like, in the center and the thick of things. It's So the episode starts out. She looks gorgeous. She buys pot. And cops come rolling in. Yeah, she's buying weed. It's... Or, it, it's two for an ounce, I think it was. Like, 200 for an ounce. And she's like, oh, it's that cheap. So she goes in. Cops roll in arrest everybody of course and then she just takes her handcuffs off after the guy gets out of there and asks the woman like about the weed and it's like i don't know it's like come on you're a cop in la you know about weed right yeah she knew a lot about it and the way that they were describing it i don't know a ton about marijuana i'm a little bit like mike but the way that they were describing it didn't sound like good features but apparently like the coarseness of it or something like that or the thing oh no that was good stuff like the the hair is like the (laughs) said steven Okay. So anyway, so yeah, they thought it was high quality Mary Jane. Yes, it was. It was the gongest of the gonge. Yeah. And <laughs> she was wondering why it was selling for so little. So we go to them talking with the other people about it, like talking with Johnny and talking with uh, Jake's about it. And it turns out that it's they're talking about how there's um, the farmers. It's legal. 
Okay. So we have all these areas where it's legal, but then we have areas where it's not legal. So Jake's had worked with this woman, Ashika, back when it was illegal and had arrested her and used her a little bit like as an undercover. Well, she wasn't undercover, but he was still an undercover and like mm-hmm. kind of set used her to set up people. Um, but now, now that it's legal, the shops grow it and the growers grow so much that they can't sell it all to the shops. So then they put it in the streets and that's where it becomes illegal again, because to sell in the shops, you have to have the permits, you have to have certificates and right. to buy it, you have to have the license. But on the street, it's just here. We okay. got weed. Buy it. One of my favorite things about this episode, they were talking about it they, and they were mentioning how Jake's knew Ashika and he talked about this big bust and he ran forever and then suddenly Paw became legal and it was a washed up deal. Like he, yep. he had wasted all his time. And so I guess I really love that it shows how that affects their jobs. Because especially in California and a lot of different places in the country, like, is it legal? Is it not? And then it seems like from day to day, medical marijuana is legal in different counties or cities. Like I know a couple of people with refineries and they said, well, I had my place in Costa Mesa, but they just made it illegal in Costa Mesa. So I'm moving two blocks down the road. Yeah. Where it's legal in Anaheim. And so I, I just love thinking about how that affects DEA agents because I've never thought of it from that side. Well, and it's also, I mean, at the characters standpoint from Jake's and Johnny, we see Johnny walks into this and he's not really caring too much. Like, he's like, oh, she sells weed. I like, know. come on, she sells weed. <laughs> she's a marijuana farmer. <laughs> Don't say that. No, but uh, she's a marijuana farmer. And Johnny's just like, well, is she hot? Like, he's trying to, All right. he's trying to, you know, schmooze it a little bit. And Jake's is more serious because he knows her. He's worked with her. He's known what she's capable of. Apparently, she burned a entire crop of marijuana. And it killed with, six people With six people yeah. alive. So, like, he's... Jake's is wary of her. Mm-hmm. And Johnny's just kind of not really believing and him. And apparently, not, she tried to jump his bones for a long time. Oh, yeah. He's Jake's. always, like, pushed her off. Right. So, Johnny's getting tattoos because... Well, it starts off, Paige wants, Paige wants to take this chick down, but Jake says, sorry, my backstory involved all these different like, Latino Latino, criminals. yeah. It's a Latin backstory. And so they call in Johnny, who's asleep on the couch, and it, this episode is really, when we get to see, he's more than just a funny surfer joke guy. Like, this character runs deep and wide and a little bit disturbing. I mean... They didn't make him as likable as the other episodes. Like, some, sometimes in this episode, you're like, he's kind of an asshole. You're like, is he for real right now? Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean he's still a likable guy, but I don't know. Some of the stuff he did is questionable. Some of it's like, um, come on, man. Like, you're a cop. Don't, don't do this. Like, right, he's no. trying to hook up with this chick. Like, all this stuff. But we see he gets tattoos because he's the Latin guy. He's got a... Yeah, Charlie, like the resident makeup artist. Yeah, so we're, she's airbrushing tattoos on his back. Airbrush she's henna. Doing, yeah, all that stuff. So we're, we get our first meeting with, 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 with Ashika. God, I don't know. I'm what, was, what was weird to me and what I didn't quite understand is that they said Indian, like, rain dance or belly dance. She's Indian, but she's Buddhist. Like, we went and saw her, and this character looked neither Indian of any direction. I think it was a joke when they said that. They really? Were, they were talking about spiritually. She's, okay. She's the, she's the Indian spiritual, like hippie. Like, I think they were calling her a hippie, kind of. Okay. And that's what she is. Like, she's got the long, loose clothing. They meet her at a cafe where they're sitting on pillows, and she's just very, like, laid back and like, oh, be more European with the kissing and everything. And... This is where Johnny is not really... 
which is weird because his cover, like for the first part, is like straight up like y'all. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm this guy. I'm the I'm the MS13 thug, and. The well, next time I, well, at the dinner, he's like so different. Here's what I think happened. We hear from the story that Johnny's brother, well, Johnny and his brother grew up in Ghetto Long Beach and they yeah. were like either harassed by or joined gangs. And so he gets this tattoo that his brother actually had. So I think whenever he first met the hippie chick, San Luis Obispo, druggy, evil Indian lady, he was really embodying his brother. Like, he was, he was acting, what would I be like if I didn't turn out the way I am? Like, there's two roads I'm sure he could have taken in his youth, and I think he really could have easily gone a bad direction. And I think he was just being that character to the T. And that's why I think it switched on a dime. He, he had a night to think about or whatever, and he realized, if I want to get this case and I want to get laid, I need a new approach. Yeah, he needs to be the schmoozing Johnny. Right. <laughs> that, hey, baby, how so, you doing? So yeah, so yeah. Johnny, which who made a, he made a move that was bad for the team. Whenever the hippie lady was rude to him, and he literally walks off. Yeah, walks Wa- off. I don't need this. Freaks out. Uh, Jake's vouches for him, like give him another chance. Which I guess is another strategy. Like, hey, give him another chance. Okay, meet us at the farm. So we get the date. Like, meet us tomorrow at the farm, and it's literally a farm. It's a farm. Yeah, we saw some beautiful California scenery on their drive up to San Luis. So do you want to finish out this this whole thing? Yeah, Yeah, let's finish this out. So they go to the farm, and Jake. it's funny because Jake's is so two-faced about it. Like he, mm-hmm. like in front of the in front of the girl, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't want some tea. Oh, you remember that time in Chicago? Yeah, later. <laughs> so was, oh, the fireflies, and then Johnny like throws it on. Oh, you know, fireflies. You know, oh, like you driving have, my you car. You them all light up at once. They all light up at once. Like, why do they do that? <laughs> it's a mating ritual. Oh, well, I need some honey for my tea. I have honey. For it. It's like so so like, metaphorical stare- and euphemisms up the. Wazoo. Yeah, this hippie chick, she she kissed her little right wing guy. Yeah, go get this for us. Mwah. Oh, Jake's. Mwah. Oh, wait, you have a spiritual side. Let's talk. Like she was just ready to hit you like any guy. Tea? I know. Oh, <laughs> so he flipped it on a dime, and that that was a strange and still is strange character move to me. What do you think was his motivation behind that? Because they made it seem like his motivation was to stay the night and get some. I think that's what it was. I think because I mean, we usually see Johnny. Okay, we see him in two in two lights. We see him as the guy behind the computer while they're doing the raids, mm-hmm. and we see and we've seen him as the guy in the SWAT suit going in for the raid, getting his arm cut. We haven't seen him really undercover. That's a good point, yeah. Like, the last time we talk about him being undercover is when they're talking about how he got the name Johnny and how he shot a guy in the bathroom. And they made up the story, typed into the computer for him to be Johnny. So, I mean, we haven't really seen him undercover in a respect where we can take him seriously. And this kind of shows that we really can't. Right, Like, yeah. he is not... He's He's kind of a liability. He's kind of like... Not as bad as Lauren, but Lauren was off the deep end. He's kind of unpredictable. Yeah, he's a wild card. When, at least when he was playing this character that was so true to his upbringing, you couldn't predict how he was going to act. And but, it did seem like he was making decisions for himself with selfishness behind them as opposed to the mission and but the team. This also goes back. He wasn't taking Jake seriously. He wasn't taking what Jake said seriously. Like, no, this girl kills. Mm-hmm. This girl kills. 
she's a weed farmer, man. She's a weed farmer. It's <laughs> she's like, so chill. No. Yeah. So he ends up sleeping with her. Well, I mean, we don't really see, like, I, yeah, but. They, he, they he wakes wake up, up the next, next morning her. in bed together and he just has underwear on. Yeah, Jake's went back to Paige in the car and he's like, he's staying the night, whatever. He can have his picnic, he can have his tea, he can have his T- TMPs. What was it? Let me look that up in my notes. Well, while he's looking that up, Paige was very upset at how John, Johnny was acting. Oh, yeah. She confronted him when he walked off, and then right when they get there and he starts hitting on the hippie chicks, just like, this deal isn't going to go down. Yeah, she she doesn't think it's going down at all. I mean, he's not even, he's not working towards it, because Ashika, which is the drug dealer woman who's crazy, and he's like, he's a freak, yo! Um, <laughs> guys are totally like that. We, we totally are when, when people leave the table. Like Girls are too. <laughs> who says we're not? Yo! <laughs> So uh, so he's going to have the chili. He's going to stay and have chili. And I don't know if there was something in the tea or something because he seemed like he didn't remember yeah. much. That oolong tea must have been a little funky. And they have TVPs. And Jake's like, I don't want TVPs. What was it? Did you look it up? It's textured vegetable protein. Okay. So, so it's like vegetable cake kind of. Oh, so it wasn't anything crazy. But it's like it, it's like hippie food. No, it was hippie food, but it's just another thing for Johnny to go off the deep end like I could try some TVPs. I'm down for trying something new. I, it's like <sighs> My very favorite thing is when they're undercover. Yeah. I just love it. And this show brilliantly makes six characters that are consistently undercover. I thought, but he wasn't being undercover. He was being Johnny was being himself at the bar. That's what it. That's what it looked he like. He was being himself as the worst possible version of himself. It's like he just let loose on on any type of him that was a trained agent. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like seeing him in this light. I like seeing them undercover, but I completely agree with you. He was making an ass of himself. And. Uh, uh, I don't care if she was dangerous or not. I didn't find this female character Ashika appealing. I, it seemed just scuzzbaggy of him to put the operation at risk just to get laid with this hippie chick who wasn't appealing in personality, really. Well, his thought was, oh, we're going to be here till morning anyway. Ha ha. We drove five hours. Ha ha. Right. So he wakes up, wakes up next to her in his underwear. He goes outside. He's about to go into the barn and take pictures of the thing, of the weed, and you see his back as he's putting his shirt on, and it's all smudged, like his tattoos are smudged. And he goes in the bar, starts taking pictures, and it shows her, like, the sheets, like there's ink on the sheets. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on here? And the next thing you know, he turns around, and there is her and her two cronies with AKs and a pistol, aimed right at him. Well, here is, to date, my least favorite thing that has happened in Graceland, because that does not happen with henna. Like, I, it's a major plot point of the episode that does not happen with henna. You could try everything in the entire world to get henna off once it's dry, and you could never. I've literally had it on there for a week and been like, why did I do this? Covered it with makeup because I was so sick of it. It is, it is in your skin, in your blood, does not happen. Sweat, oil, makeup remover, nothing. But you're not supposed to touch it for a while either. But he'd already, it already been there. I'm not kidding you. You leave it on there for 15 minutes. For 15 minutes, then you take it off. It is on there. It's like a seven-day tattoo. Even with even with a girl scraping your back? Even with. I've never had... I've never tested it that way. Okay, well, I'm saying that's what he's going through in the episode. Like, that's... I've, I thought about it. Even with a girl scraping, even with him sweating all night, I don't think that would happen. 
let's just also say that I shouldn't be too critical about it because I don't know for sure that it was henna. Yeah, the was only a- person who said that it was henna was Briggs, and, and it could have been a, a joke. They said that about the neck tattoo. Right. But the so, back was airbrushed. We saw her airbrushing it. So maybe it was henna marker. Whatever it was, I shouldn't be too pissed about it, but I was. I henna was at the time. And airbrush. So... Jake's goes in with Paige. Jake's is like, oh, we're going to make it a quick one. We'll go in, you know, see the barn. Ha, ah, here's the signal. Come in, rock it out. So Jake's goes in. Paige is walking, watching from the car. He goes in, comes right back out with a gun to his back. I know. that was He was so casual. Walked in, do-do-do-do-do. Two seconds later, walked out, do-do-do-do-do, the exact same way, but a guy had a gun to his I back. I still thought he was going to get shot. I thought Jake's was going to die. I know. I can't believe you said that. Why did w- you think that? Because it's four episodes in now. I think it's about time they kill someone. I agree, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be characters that I think are here for the entirety of the series, if not just at least several seasons until they want to not renew their contracts or whatever. Jake's, Briggs, Mike, Charlie, Paige. Mm. Johnny. Mm. No, I really do. I think the, the only two people who are on this show for real is going to be Briggs and Mike. Really? I think those are the only two people that save Charlie for this season, at least. Okay. I don't think they kill off the mother character yet, because that's what Joe and uh, Chris were telling us. She's the mother character. Mm. Unless they really want, like, animosity from the audience towards somebody, then they'll have her killed off. But that was actually something that I was going to ask Manny tonight was... Like, you have the likable character. You know what happens to the likable ah. character in TV recently is <laughs> bad things happen to the likable character. If you watch any show like Dexter, Game of Thrones, like, you uh-huh. know, they're, they're not safe. And they do that. The writers do that just to throw, like, just to really make you hate a certain person in the show or just to make you really interested in grab ratings if they even need it. This show really doesn't need that, but they've already written it. We never know. It's sort of like it the, the creators of Last wanted to kill off Jack Shepard the first episode just so everybody would be thrown off their game. There you go. But here's the thing. I had I had a little bit of inside information. I know episode 6 for Jake's is big. So For Jake's. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so maybe he's going to last till episode 6, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Either way, it didn't look good for those two characters and basically it came down to just Paige to save the day. Yeah, so she uh, Ashika finds out he's a cop and uh, they have the radio and it says on your 20 and that's how he knows the car is coming through, car is coming through. And that's when they dive out of the way and suddenly there's the gunfight. And Ashika's like, well, if you don't have a rocket launcher, you're kind of screwed. I know. I liked that banter back and forth between them. Well, she didn't have a rocket launcher and she still took her cronies out <laughs> with a pistol to the neck. Yeah, and he even had an automatic weapon. What happened to the second one? The, that one that came out and approached her at the car? I don't know. Maybe she held the gun to his head and handcuffed him. They didn't really show it. Okay, they didn't show it. But him. either way, Paige took out two she took out two completely on her own, and she shot somebody. She killed somebody, right? They didn't say if he was killed or not, but she did shoot somebody. Oh, yeah, she so she's gonna, her. she's gonna have to go to see a psych too. So it was kind of a funny banter when uh, they're hand in hand like this next to each other, and he's like, "In retrospect, man, kind of a bad move to spend the night." <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Yeah, every decision you made this episode was a bad move, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny's... Besides, n- besides getting below the belt ass tats. Not, not being too smart this episode, Johnny. I can relate. I've had, I've had times where I wasn't too smart. It's okay, Johnny. We'll, we'll forgive you. But uh, so Johnny knocks uh, Ashika upside the head with a bucket. Their covers are essentially blown for this, though. So yeah, definitely. Jake's cover from long ago... It's done. Like, they can't go back into it. But Ashika's going to prison for a while. They did take this. down 
one crony by death, one crony by handcuffs, and one crony by a big bucket full of fertilizer. And when that happened, here's, here's where I made two realizations of things I like about the show. They weren't afraid to use violence against women. Not that I like violence against women. I'm just saying, if they're being evil, cops would take them down. I liked that he did. I don't like it. I'm just saying, like, I know, just they weren't tiptoeing around it. And the other half of it is, one of my pet peeves about any television series is when the women are the offenders of the violent crimes. Because less than 2 to 3% of violent crimes are committed by women. So it bothers me whenever they have, like, woman serial killer after woman serial killer. I'm like, it's just not very realistic. But I could see this female in that role as a big farmer, you know? Well, there's one point where you're right. It's just 97% of the women serial killers don't get caught. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Does not happen. Either way, I I liked the I liked the way that this that this evil villain was portrayed, and I liked the way that the FBI took her down. So they end out the whole weed thing with them in line with the for the sauce at the end, and they just list off marijuana names like that Ganja, was hilarious. Gijo, he baby. said he said you want me to do them in alphabetical order? Should I start with A or should I start with Z? And start he just with Z. on and on Zinga that 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 that. It's like all right, yeah, the, we we get it. There's a lot of weed names. It's because Green Mike. They caught, he said, marijuana farmer. And they're like, oh, stop. Don't say that. Don't say that. So let's start over at the beginning again. Let's go through the other storyline. It's sauce time. And they have Francesca, her great-grandmother's great-grandmother's great-grandmother, who was in the times of, uh, what was it? Um, it was, it was whenever there was some sort of Italian scourge or something. I didn't write down those details. I didn't think it was super relevant, but this guy needed refuge from the government. Yeah. And yeah. So he formed this romantic relationship with Charlie's ancestors or something. No, he, he, they, his promise was the sauce. Like uh, the only okay. thing that kept him alive for the three days while he were waiting for them to search everything was the promise of the ragu. Uh, okay. So it's, it's Francesca's ragu and it takes three days to make. And it's sauce night. Like, they always have sauce night every year, and it falls on Mike's dish night. But that's beside the point. But the thing about it is is that this was really, besides the, the tattoos and the sauce, this was Charlie's only role. And so I sort of see how it's going to work in the ebb and flow of the show. Characters get major cases one week. Characters sit on the back burner and make sauce. So there's a huge pun in this episode, and I'll <laughs> wait till the end to tell you. Okay. Um, so... Mike gets a text from Abby just to bring her back up at the beginning of the show. That's like just to remind the people that, oh, there's a there's a love interest. That's and Abby. Mike's into her. Mike's He's into her. Grinning from ear to ear whenever he gets an inside joke text. And it was something about the East Coast. It wasn't an inside joke. It was But Charlie says, You can date, you just can't get too close. Exactly. So they get called into a sit-down with Bello. Bello is interested in talking with Briggs and Mike again, but we find out that it's only really Mike that he's interested in talking to. Briggs gets put on, go sit in the corner, Briggs. I want to talk to Mike. Although we do have to mention, we see Eddie, and he had a huge eye patch. I thought they had removed his eye, which they might as well have. I guess he poured metal into his eye socket. Yeah, we find out that he poured the hot lead into his eye, which, I mean, I imagine that's what they did when... They, right. were, they were boiling. They were heating it up. Yeah, they're heating up, and then you see him with his eye in the previews from last episode. Yeah. he. That was really disturbing to me. I, I hate it when people disfigure faces, well, or anything, really. But that was that. it was hard for me to look at him the entire episode. They let him keep one eye. 
Oh, I mean, still. Well, they, he would be completely worthless with no eyes. Just you, stumbling around. That's terrible. No, I'm saying as a gangster. As a gangster, okay. Not uh, not a worthless person. Just like he couldn't sneak I'm just, around I'm places. I'm just messing with you, Julie. Stop making me sound like an awful person. <laughs> just talk about women violence. You're just, and- you're just backing me into a corner. You're making me hate on all, all different subpopulations. So Mike wears his gun visibly. When they show up to the table, he's like, I'll save you a broken hand and a few minutes. Here's my gun. I mean, after you guys showed your, after you guys put guns to my heads, you know, come mm-hmm. on, like I'm gonna wear a gun. So that was the conversation that Briggs and Mike had in the phone room. The he, phone room. He wanted to strap it on under his clothes. It was Briggs that said, "Just make it out in the open." So he wants to speak to Mike alone, and they ask about a WQB, which is the lowest rank you can get in firearm training. It's weapons qualification badges. Weapons qualification badge. Okay. W- yeah. That's what it stands for then. Yeah. And and whenever Mike said, oh, you mean pizza box? Because for a second there, Mike didn't recognize WQB. And Bello and Eddie got on incredibly high alert. Yeah. They were about to shoot him in the stomach. Yeah. Cover almost blown because if you are in the military, apparently you would know exactly what that is. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think he was even lying. He's like, I haven't heard that since like six years well, ago. Like, come on. When, when Mike said, oh, you mean a pizza box? I thought he made that up off the top of his head just to hear Bello say that the entire episode. But I Googled it, and that actually is what it's called. It's a, it's a badge or something that's... I, I, yeah, the square, square badge. So it's a pizza box. So Bellows wants Mike to teach his guys how to shoot because they are not proficient. And he gives a, uh, he gives a story about something... Bulldogs in their first fight. Yeah, like, have you, have you ever seen a, a pit bull's first fight? He has the fangs, he has the musculature... But he doesn't quite know how to fight. And that's where his guys are at right now. He wants somebody to teach them how to fight. Because now that they have these bullets, well, not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But still, he wants his guys to know how to fight with these guns. So next, the thing with Bellows is we see their transaction with Mike going to teach them. And we see before this, we see Briggs and Mike talking like, they want me to teach them how to shoot. And the FBI said... Pretend to teach them how to shoot. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, how do you do that? So Briggs says, don't worry, I got your back. I'll, I'll tell him. I'll work and say, like, you know, you just got to pump the brakes a little bit. What I thought was going to happen is Mike was going to end up teaching them how to shoot, and Briggs never told anybody, never had his back, like, was lying. Because that's what it seemed like. Briggs was lying. He was just going to have Mike do what he needed to do so we could get closer to Bellows. But Mike luckily comes up with this plan to tell them to reassemble their gun over and over and over again. So he basically went back to gun 101 and made it where nobody would be firing at all. But but the thing that was really interesting about this is, is that we weren't sure how Briggs as a character was going to take the fact that Mike has stolen his case. He didn't try to. Mike didn't intentionally steal it. But this is Southern California's primary heroin dealer, quote. So Briggs has been after this guy for a long time, and they bring Mike in. Briggs is out. We see a quick moment with him talking about it to Charlie, like, how do you feel about this? And he seemed chill. What did you think, Stephen? He seemed like he wasn't that upset about it. He didn't, like, I would have thought he would have been madder at Mike or more jealous that he wasn't in on the action. I mean... Briggs, what was the question again? Like I was, I was trying to focus on something else. Something. Um, well, how Mike got all the glory for Briggs's case that he'd been working on for months. He did not seem territorial about that. Oh well, this is this is the whole Super Bowl metaphor that we get, which is you know, 
you got to take the Super Bowl ring. Do you want to be the quarterback or do you want the ring? Like, you don't have to be. You don't have to be the guy who brings it in as long as it's brought in. And Charlie's kind of bringing Briggs back down to earth. And, I mean, spoiler, not really spoiler, but we see in the scenes that Briggs is with Charlie next episode a little bit. So we know they're kind of closer than we knew before. So he listens to her. Mm-hmm. So this is the, like, she said, you stupid Pats fans. I hate you Pats fans. <laughs> Love that line. Okay, so you think that Charlie brought him back down to earth, and that's why Briggs was cool about it. Because he, he to me, rose above my expectations. He just like, you know, often characters flare up of jealousy or territory or their ambitions are getting in the way. But I felt like he chilled really quickly on this one. Yeah, I think they just didn't have enough time in the episode to make a conflict. Okay. Because there wasn't anywhere they could go with it if there was a conflict. Like, what's he going to do? Like, compromise Mike to fix to put himself in there? I think he just understood it and that that's how he had to play it. He's going to be back in with, with Bellows and them, like, I'm sure. Although, maybe this will be one of many times this happens and it'll stack up. We'll see. We will see. Either way, brilliant play on Mike's part, turning it into this long, drawn-out, you have to clean out your gun. Oh, but something interesting that we did learn about Bello, whenever he came to Los Angeles, he was originally in the Nigerian army, was exiled. Mm-hmm. When he came to Los Angeles, they said that the East Los Angeles Latinos didn't want him there. Well, nobody the wanted South him there. South Central black guys didn't want him there. He worked his way in, and we learned a lot about him as a character at yeah, Kingpin. He, f- he fought his way in. He was in the army, but the president was overthrown, which made him an exile because he was no longer on the right side. Mm-hmm. So his for his service, he got screwed over. He's kind of trying to turn Mike at this point. He's trying to tell a story to get Mike more on his side. And Mike likened him to Alexander the Great. Yeah, I think that was just kind of a... <laughs> it was just like, just puff him up. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so, he does he does all this. They're in for a long night because they're all going to stay there. And next we know, after that night, we see Mike walking walking around on the phone with Abby. And when he hangs up, we see Bella... Not Bella, uh, Eddie just yank him to the ground and put a gun in his mouth and say, who are you? Good moment. A good moment for you as a predictor, Stephen, because he was on the phone it was with... In the, it was in the... Uh, Oh, it was in the previews. Oh, I thought you just sensed that something was awry. Well, I I sensed that that was where it was going to happen. But in the previews, we see Eddie grabbing him and asking who he is. That was something they should not have put in the previews. I would have liked to have been surprised by that. Well, I didn't remember it from the previews, and I was very surprised by that. Yeah. So we see Eddie. He puts a gun in his mouth, asks who I am. He's like, you know who I am, man. But Eddie... You don't know how to handle a gun, and you're messing with the guy who just, like, shot up all these bears, is teaching people how to use a gun, and you have the gun, like, this far away from his, this far away from his face. He First, he put it in his mouth. He pulled it out a little bit. Of course he's going to grab the gun and flip it on you. And I loved how he just, like, took it apart in front of him. was like, I'm walking away now. Shating, ping, shating, ping, shating, ping, throwing all the little disassembled pieces on it. Give him a, give him a private lesson. I did not know how Mike was going to react at this moment, but the fact that he disassembled the gun, gently dropped upon it, and walked away shocked me. Well, if Eddie actually paid attention, he could have actually put the gun back together I and know. then shot Mike. You should have listened in class. Exactly. So... Now we have, uh, you, you go, what's, what's the next scene we see with them? So this next scene is where the plot, to me, got incredibly complicated. Because they decide, Briggs decides to set up Ellie by say, Eddie by saying that Paige is her former undercover position as the girlfriend of another gangster that Bella worked with. So they're fake interrogating Paige. 
Charlie is, and Briggs is there too, and they bring in Eddie to show him that this is happening. And they say, she's flipped on you, you can flip on your boss and we'll get you into witness protection program. And Eddie does not. Why? He could have taken his girlfriend into witness protection with him, couldn't he? I mean, what they were really doing is just the fact that they pulled him into the police office and Bello already suspected him. It was done. They, Yeah, see, and here's the thing about it. Mike, when he sees this happening and he talks to Briggs, realizes this is not the ploy that they presented it to me as. This is them writing his death sentence. And you know what Briggs says? He wrote his own death sentence when he started working for that guy. Well, yeah, because... What's going on right now is Bellows thinks that Eddie or Mike is the guy. And right now he thinks that Eddie's the guy. After he poured hot lead in his eye, that hurts. Right. So Briggs' idea, pull him into the, pull him into the station and use um, Billy Moy, who is, or Bobby Moy, who Paige is the girlfriend of undercover, to use her to try to get him to either confess, like bail on Bellows, or to make him go back to Bellows and say that they're doing this. But either way, he looks like the bad guy. So mm-hmm. here's a bus ticket. We're giving you a bus ticket. Like, that's all you get. But no, they, she offered him witness protection if he'd flip on his bus, and he didn't. He said, but I will take your bus ticket. Yeah. Because well, they're killing him, basically. And that's what Mike realizes. Like, that's what I was realizing. I was like, dude, this guy leaves the station. The fact that he's in the station means that they think he's cooperating. So he's done. That's and why he wouldn't use the same lawyer, because they're fallback lawyer and this is several episodes in a row where briggs has an evil scheme and he doesn't let mike in on it only this time it's life and death and briggs came across as really evil in this situation as did charlie because i think she was involved too well it's also briggs putting mike in jeopardy because what happens if he leaves and then tracks down mike and then just kills him like that's what she said she's like um so you did this, but now the next time he sees you, there's not going to be a who are you question. It's going to be just shoot you. Okay, and that's where they decide they'll bring him in, but then they let him go again. So the last we see of Eddie is when Mike and Bellows are together, and he's going to, I don't know, they, they just wanted to meet. It was Sauce Night. They pull him away from Sauce Night. They pulled him away from Sauce Night. He skipped his last two meals for that. So He canceled it for that because he had a date with Abby but he decided to do sauce night with his roommates and have drinks with her afterwards so Bello shows up and everyone's there and he says okay well bring him out and they bring out Eddie and you gotta feel sorry for this guy honestly I felt sympathetic for him since the beginning I have I have never once felt anything for this character but tons of sympathy he's a loyal right hand man and all he gets is betrayed by the cops, his boss, and apparently his girl. I don't know if they were wiretapping his girl or if she told. But whatever it was, I felt so sad for him. I, I kept thinking of Slumdog Millionaire with the eye thing. So they bring him out, and he says, you can't threaten the hand until you've read in the face. So, mm, not good news for Eddie. He says, this will end one of two ways. And, of course, everyone who at this point is watching is thinking that they're going to make Mike shoot Eddie. Yeah, definitely. And then he asks Mike for his gun, and you th- then at that point you think Bella's just going to shoot Eddie. But no, he pushes the gun into Eddie, whispers in his ear, and you don't hear anything he says. He says, this can end one of two ways. Right. So here's where I get conspiracy theory. And 
know that stuff's going to go down next episode. Right. So uh, the the obvious conclusion to jump to is that he says this is going to end one of two ways. And you think of all of the different things, but the result is Eddie points a gun at Mike, turns back and shoots himself in the face. The thing is, you think maybe he threatened you kill yourself or I kill your girlfriend. That's an obvious conclusion to jump to. Steven had, had a, a thought that was a little bit deeper. Okay. So why would he kill himself? Here's what... To protect his girlfriend, maybe. Maybe. That's that's the first conclusion. This is what makes sense with the writing, and this is what makes sense to put Mike in hot water for next episode. So he's a loyal henchman. He's always been loyal, and they've always been... And Bellows is asking, like, are you the cop or is Mike the cop? And Mike says he's not, but Eddie says he's no one. I've been with you since the beginning. He's no one. So what does he whisper in his ear? I'm going to bet you right now that what he whispered is, you can kill Mike. This can end one of two ways. You can kill Mike, but then we'll kill you because you've never you haven't proven anything, or you can cr- or you can kill yourself to prove to me that Mike is a cop. And that is it. That is a brilliant conclusion. I didn't come to, but Stephen did. And if that's the case, which is likely, now Bellows knows that Mike is a cop. Yeah. That and and who what, knows? What more way can he say? Can he say that he's being completely honest? That he's his friend that he is loyal to the end than saying, I did not do this. It had to be Mike and I will prove it. It was Mike. Bang. Why do you think that they wouldn't have taken Mike down in that very second then? Because they have no, they don't know how far it goes because Briggs introduced Mike to them. They don't know about Briggs and now they still aren't sure he's a cop, but now like it's really fairly obvious. And especially if Mike was a cop, they know that there's going to be that backup team. Oh, I mean, remember when, yeah. when when Eddie shoots himself? Apparently, his name's Eddie Warren because no, uh, no, no, wait. Mike Warren. Oh, is it Mike Warren? Okay, yeah, it was, so that's right. That's when right. When Eddie shoots himself, the backup team gets ready to go in. And it wasn't Warren, is what he said. Okay, right? Yeah, it wasn't Warren, so they stop because they heard Mike Warren talk. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I thought I was like, it's Warren. It's Warren. I was like, wait, oh yeah. But the thing about it is, this was the first time that Mike had seen something like that happen. And, and he was very disturbed. I think he felt for the guy like we felt for the guy. It, it, you know what? Maybe maybe he was bad and he worked for a bad person, but Briggs essentially sentenced him to death after he had his eye gouged out. He had a woman out there that he loved. This disturbed Mike. He saw it right point blank. This guy killed himself, and it was essentially Mike's fault. Well, originally he thought he was going to be the one to kill him. Especially when they when they bring him out, he thought that he was going to have to kill him. In a roundabout way, he was. He just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, but it it disturbed me as a viewer, like it did Mike, and I think that was intentional. It was because what did what did Joe and what did Chris say when they came in here? They said they these are real situations that people have been put in, and what's he going to do if he's like, no, don't kill him, I'm a cop, like it breaks your cover. He can't do anything to break his cover, and it was so. Oh my. God, the dramatic irony, if Bellows knows he's a cop now, mm-hmm. watch that scene again. Like, yeah. I was watching this thinking that Bellows knows he's a cop, and he and Mike's just, like, obviously shaken, and Bellows is just taking so much pride in knowing he's shaken this cop. Like, he's like, I've shaken you. Like, you, you got nothing. Like, I just made a guy kill himself in front of you. And this, obviously, Mike is, we're probably going to see this um, kind of like a waterfall of this effect affect mike 
yeah, this, I mean, Mike saw somebody die before with the Russian mobsters in the pilot, but this was up close and personal. This was somebody that Mike knew, and this is somebody that Mike had spared his life just days before. And this is somebody that Mike knows Briggs set up. Mm-hmm. Briggs, Briggs essentially is the one who killed this man. Yeah, absolutely. And Briggs didn't even feel guilty about it because he says he chose his own death by choosing that side of the law working for that man but still like and then it, he then the last line we get from bellows and now he's got his pizza box oh my gosh yeah bellows geez that guy to me is very evil and they wrote they wrote him very well because i'm terrified of him like he even his longest bestest friend his only nigerian comrade and his staff let him go. They might have grown up together. We have no idea. Either way, he just, he terrifies me and and I feel terrible for Mike. I mean, that kind of stuff sticks in your brain. I, I once saw a girl get hit by a truck. She was fine. She broke an arm and a leg. I could hardly sleep for weeks. And I'm just saying, like, Mike being that up close to seeing that happen, I could totally see why he needs actual counseling, not some guy faking to be a counselor to get more information out of him. Whoever plays Eddie, I can't remember the actor's name. I looked it up before. Well done, though. Yeah, definitely. Very, very good acting. Very good. I mean, I'm not a fan of people who, like, cry on camera. Because <laughs> it's, it's always so forced. But when when somebody actually does it, and it seems real, and it actually portrays the character, what they're really feeling at that moment, and it's, and it's by the moment, it's not like, you can tell the director's not like, hey, you need to cry right here. Mm-hmm. Like, this was something like, this guy put himself in that position, and, like, you see, like, everything and i think that it was more effective and disturbing because he was crying out of his one non-mangled eye you know well that and think of the position he's in it's his it's his only friend in america really it's Mm -hmm. his only friend who's essentially putting him to die like you either i'm gonna kill you or you're gonna kill him and or you're gonna kill yourself yeah no just the fact that we're still talking about this character when we see several bad guys die an episode meant that it was profound it meant that it was well written and somehow we had a connection with this guy who'd probably done nothing good besides being a boyfriend well they're they're fairly good at writing memorable characters i still remember whistler from last episode still remember felix from the first one felix with the gene truck yeah, no, I think that what's really, and I don't want to use the word special because it doesn't seem like it fits, but what's special about this writing is that the bad guys aren't anti-heroes. They are relatable people who we could see how they end up getting involved with the wrong side of the law. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a good show. But, it's a good show. Yeah, definitely. It, I, we were very affected. So Mike goes out on his date. Mike still goes on his date. That proves how much he likes Abby. And you know what, Abby, we've only seen her for 30 seconds each episode, but she's perfect for him. He's late for his date. She gives him a break. She says, oh, I needed some solo drinking. He calls her on the phone. She's sassy about it. She's not mad that he took so long to ask her out. And then she can see that he's shaken up. He says there was an accident uh, and he saw somebody die. A lie, sort of not, just in a roundabout white lie way. And she says, you know what, go home. You won't be good company anyway. She knows exactly what he needs. It sucks. Why does it suck? It sucks because she knows. She she knows. What you okay? Oh, a she lot, knows. A lot of viewers, Stephen included, are suspicious about this Abby character. She knows that he that she that he saw somebody die that day. She knows what he's doing. She knows everything about him. So of course she's going to give him those things, and she's there because she's a plant. 
and they know that he can't survive in this house alone. So they're like, we're going to find out that they put her there for him just so he wouldn't fall for somebody else and tell the secrets to them. Okay, the fact that her reaction was so perfect and that she didn't pry into what the accident was anymore makes me believe that a a smidge more. And you are right. She's aggressive towards him and she's obvious. She gets a phone call from him. It seems very realistic that it would be her job on that phone call to get asked out on a date. There you go. Because she, she does bring it up. I'm not saying that I'm totally suspicious of Abby yet. I think she's a good girlfriend for him. I think they have a, a nice connection. But I do see what you're saying. You have planted the seed of suspicion. It's no longer true, pure love. If you, if you call a girl's nickname Abby with the crabs, she's not going to call you back. It's, if you say, hey, Abby with the crabs, she's not going to call you back. I do know people from Maryland, and they do talk about softshell crab a lot. <laughs> they do, but still. Okay, come on. Like, So it, it's it's just, yeah, she's she's done. That was a funny little thing that they have between each other. He's, he's Mike from Washington, and she's Abby who likes the crabs. So we see Mike go home and do the dishes from sauce night. He didn't even try the sauce. He didn't have any appetite. He was very affected that this happened. Briggs tries to console him. He says he wants to be alone. And to me, right there, whenever he was standing there doing the dishes, I think he he cheered up. It's proving Mike is taking all of this, putting it on the inside, holding it in. And we, we see our first real taste of him, like, learning that this job is going to be incredibly difficult and not just in the ways he thought. I know. The dishes are really tough to do. <laughs> I mean, th- that sauce, like you saw that spot, it wouldn't the come sauce, off. sauce, it's caked on there. No, Mike was really affected. And for some reason, I was very attracted to him as a character right then. He seemed so vulnerable. But we also saw Briggs as kind of a little bit more understanding, too. He's like, you need some help with that. And like, no, I need to be left alone. I don't, Briggs is on my bad side right now and most of the time. <laughs> and most of the time. But especially right now. But he set Mike up for this. He Mike is not ready. He's been on this job for just a few weeks. And so, yeah, we see this episode, Mike getting his first real taste of how emotionally disturbing this is going to be for him. Okay, so before we move into predictions, you, you ready for the big pun of the episode? Oh, gosh. Glad we waited all episode for a pun. Pizza sauce. <laughs> it was The episode was entitled Pizza Box. They opened the episode with making sauce, and then they end the episode with the sauce, and he's cleaning ah. up the sauce from the pizza box that is now ended, like giving the people all their pizza boxes. Poetic. If this was in high school AP exam, you would have passed. That was intended. No, I swear to God that that was intended. Like, they wrote it that way. Um, let's, uh, I don't think there's anything that we missed. No, and absolutely not. if there is, not. the fans will totally call us out on it. I know. Let's go ahead and throw into predictions. Well, we saw the previews. you're After Buzz TV. Predictions. From next week. And it looks like Briggs is sleeping with Charlie. It looks like that. It definitely appears to look like that. I think that's going to be... They always like to throw you off with the scenes. Uh, Yeah. So with the order of the scenes that I saw, I was like, okay, well, Briggs and Charlie are going to have to hook up or something like that for their cover. Um, It shows them about to do heroin and things like that. And it says, Charlie, I think I killed him. I know. I killed him. It's my fault. That was audio from something else. 
I think Charlie's talking about a previous job that she did where she almost killed something. I think Charlie does end up having to take heroin to get out of a, cer- a sticky situation. And I think Briggs almost ODs on the heroin, but he doesn't. Nothing happens to him. I think he's fine. But we didn't see the face of the guy on the ground, so it mm. probably wasn't Briggs. It was probably that other drug guy. Um, I, you know what? I, if I had to predict, and this isn't just off of the previews, but I think they're going to do drugs. I think they're both going to do drugs. That's a great prediction about him possibly almost overdoing, ODing. But the guy says cops can't do drugs. And I think it's a make or break moment for them, possibly their lives, possibly the job. Oh, cops can't do a lot of things that Briggs does. Come on, Julie. Cops can't do a lot of things that they all do. Exactly. Um, I have one more prediction. I predict that everybody who's watching this show is going to go to iTunes and download and rate and comment us because honestly, we need to see some rate and co- we need to see some more comments. We know you guys are a little bit tough fans, but we're trying our best for you guys. So if you have anything you want us to add to the show, definitely let us know and we'll work on it. I've tried to avoid saying like as many times. I still I still <laughs> saw it, said it a few times. And and I furiously studied which agency they were all a part of to never make that mistake again. Um, I didn't write down all the YouTube people, but I will shout out the people who tweeted real quick. Uh, Judy at Nina Yuri, um, Jennifer Rooney, uh, Jonathan Lasans- Lansana. Runaway He's- Blue. Definitely. Ah, we got some tweets from Manny Montana. And I got I to gotta thank Jonathan Lansana because he's been right, he's been uh, commenting on all our YouTube. He commented us oh, on yeah, iTunes. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a smart guy. He's been guy. retweeting us. Uh, hey, Chantal. And to all you guys, please call us during the show. It's 424-256-1729. Call us during one of these shows, and we're more than happy to talk um, conspiracy theory with us. And that is our show. Julie Parton, where can we find you? We will not see you guys next week. Enjoy your 4th of July, but the week after. In the meantime, continue the conversation on Twitter. I'm Julie Parton. You can find me at J-U-L-I-E-P-A-R-T-I-N. And I am Stephen Lemieux. You can find me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux, S-T-E-P-H-N-L-E-M-I-E-U-X. And you can also find me on the Dexter After Show, which is coming back this Sunday. Tune into that, as well as Get Out Alive with Bear Grylls coming right up soon in a week or two. Thanks. That's our show, and we will see you two weeks from now. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. Bye.